All right, welcome to round two, for me anyway, of lacrosse talk. And now this one will be the PM version. Round one for me. Round one for you. Although you probably did more work than I did today. <laughs> Being a, I mean, wait, the school's still in for a couple weeks. School's yet, still in. Yep, I was grading papers today, meeting with students about their research projects for one of my classes. Let's just say, Rick, that I've got some seniors in my senior seminar who are doing a great job on their research papers. They're also ready to graduate. They're seniors ready. Yeah, that's how I am <laughs> as I uh, have vacation next week. <laughs> so this has been, uh, you know, I had to do double duty. So I actually had to do some work this morning. But um, I did, uh, and, and that's UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, sitting in here as he does with me most Fridays, uh, although you'll be, you, you'll be able, unless you want to come in with Hayes, you'd have to talk to him. I would love to. And hang out, uh, you know, just mention him, but you could be in here next Friday with Hayes. It might be a fun conversation. Um, so let's let's go through the game log here of uh, not the Bucks playoffs, <laughs> but um, I, I do have some just like basic, and it's, I don't know, 2024, we could have this conversation any week, so maybe we don't have it, but just the idea that... Um, we as voters, because there's a poll out about the Biden at the NR something something poll. It's AP slash, uh, you know, about like they don't Democrats don't want Biden to run, but we'll support him if he runs. Yep. It's basically this whole thing that voters in a presidential election or whatever. It's the incumbent theory, too. We're afraid to vote for who we want to vote for. Um, and, and DeSantis is getting thumped right in like in polls over Trump like he's just getting thumped. And maybe that's. And maybe that's a Trump thing. He's a former president's incumbent thing. But like after DeSantis, because DeSantis doesn't seem like a great candidate to me either way to kind of bring people together. Biden maybe is a better one, but he's 100 years old and so is Trump. So just the general idea. So this is topic one. Maybe we do this in a year because it might be better in a year because in a year from now, a little less than a year from now, we'll be doing a presidential primary, right? Yeah, and we'll be right on the verge of the Republican National Convention in Milwaukee and the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. So on on the list here, the rest of the list, this is this one I think we should hit on. This this uh like a GOP how do you want to describe her without deep, deep diving here yet? Yeah, she's a major player within the Republican Party. She was a lawyer for former President Trump during his legal challenges to the 2020 election. And God, and, and God forbid somebody record a private meeting of, of, you know, Republicans or Democrats saying the thing out loud like they in these private meetings or private fundraiser, whatever it is. So uh, this will be great because we we, you know, having you, you're pretty passionate about allowing college kids to vote. And a GOP uh, players like, mm, how can we get these college kids to stop rolling out of bed and voting? Um, <laughs> next on the list, uh, I talked about a little bit this morning, but you only have the Wisconsin side. You grab the maybe you have the other part, uh, the the secret the secret meeting that GOP, the Republicans and the Wisconsin might might legalize medical marijuana, <laughs> but yes. don't tell anybody. So we got legalized mar- medical marijuana, Wisconsin. Oh, by the way, Minnesota legalizing it recreationally, like beginning Monday is step number one. So right. uh, if you want to talk about Republicans versus Democrats there, um, Wisconsin assembly votes to outlaw local bans on gas engines. This one, this is culture war crap here. Uh, it if- is Rick. It's kind of the latest topic in conservative media circles. And so Republicans are trying to prevent state and local governments from banning gas powered vehicles, snowblowers, lawnmowers and other machines 
likely, of course, to be vetoed this measure by Governor Evers. Nothing like I mean, if if Joe Biden tried to outlaw gas engines, that would be a thing. It would. We would complain about. But that's not happening. And then they're claiming California is doing this. Also not happening. Right. And now they want to and now they want to. And the Republican Party is more about like local rights states' rights, national rights. Well, here they're taking local rights away. We did this under Governor Scott Walker, the bag ban ban. Uh, Governor Scott Walker and Republicans decided that locally you couldn't ban plastic bags, which would be a great thing here because we have a river and multiple rivers, I should say, and everything, all these plastic bags end up in the ocean because they end up in the river. So uh, it'd be a great, great place to... Uh, to be able to do something like that. But uh, the government, led by Republicans in the state, are telling us what we can't do locally. Um, T- Tammy Baldwin, did we talk about Tammy Baldwin last week, right? We did. She has formally announced her bid for re-election in 2024. So now it's who's going to take her down in the Republican yep. Party, right? Is I mean, and and Tom Tiffany, there's rumors here, but I think these are just ru- I think this is a far-fetched thing. Tom Tiffany, a, a U.S. House member in the mid- middle yeah, of Wisconsin. Yeah, Rick. Uh, Tom Tiffany, House of Representatives member, Republican of northern Wisconsin, looking at running against Tammy Baldwin. We also have some rumors about other members of the House of Representatives from Wisconsin, like Brian Stile, who's more in southern Wisconsin, and Mike Gallagher, who is in the Green Bay area. So a very much unsettled, still developing field on the Republican side for the U.S. Senate race against Tammy Baldwin in 2024. Republicans are kind of lukewarm about Tom Tiffany. He's very much someone in the Trump mold. And so the question is, would you want someone like that running in a statewide election? Obviously, he does really well in northern Wisconsin, where the Trump brand is really strong. But how would he do in areas where Republicans have lost ground, like the suburbs of Milwaukee? So those are some concerns that Republicans have about him. And when you say that, do Republicans have this power to decide who gets to run for Senate in their party? Or is it just like who Republicans decide to throw millions of dollars at? Is that kind of the deal here? Yeah, Rick, it does have a lot to do with fundraising. And a lot of eyes are on Brian Stile and Mike Gallagher, those two U.S. House members, because they are very effective fundraisers. And so that would give them an edge if they were to run against Tammy Baldwin. We know that Tammy Wait. Baldwin is a very effective Wait, fundraiser. They're, they're effective fundraisers. I'm talking like because the optics of Tom Tiffany running, if you just look at the last two statewide races, well, I, Ron Johnson just, I don't know, whatever. I mean, ran against the black guy. I guess you could go there or something like that. Milwaukee voters didn't like Mandela Barnes or something. Um, but but the Supreme Court race, that's kind of that's Tom Tiffany running. I mean, that, in my head, that guy is the same guy as Tom Tiffany. And then the the Republican governor's re, a candidate. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, Do, yeah. Remember his uh, name either? <laughs> Which is kind of a problem, right? But that's where you don't run an incumbent and nobody remembers his name. But, um, wow, I can't believe you forgot his name. Uh, it's political science. Tim Michaels. Tim Michaels. All right, he spells it weird, too, right? <laughs> at, at one point in time, I thought he was the owner of the Michaels like stores. Goes- <laughs> Rick, it goes back to the lessons that Republicans are trying to learn or maybe we'll learn from the loss of Dan Kelly. And you could say that, you know, if you're viewing Tom Tiffany as t- 
as Dan Kelly all over again, then it would obviously be a mistake for them to run him in a statewide well, candidate. And that's what I'm getting at can, is when you say candidate. they run him, they all get to decide if they want to run. But does the Republican Party of Wisconsin, because they get the they have money, is it maybe Wisconsin or nationally, we're going to decide, kind of like the Brad Path deal, we're going to decide whether or not to throw money into your campaign. So if it's style... Gallagher, Tiffany, the Republican Party, either nationally or statewide, is going to decide which person to throw money yeah, at, right? It's not clear that the Republican Party of Wisconsin is powerful enough to make that decision. If we go back to the race for governor between Rebecca Clayfish and Tim Michaels, that campaign for the Republican nomination for governor, right. you had this split decision within the Republican Party because you had Trump oh, going right. behind Michaels and Scott Walker going behind Clayfish. Yeah, they, they decided at their convention whatever they're meeting that they weren't going to support either one. Yeah, and so the party never got behind either one. It created some tension within the party as Trump got behind one candidate, Walker got behind another, and it led to this split within the party. I feel like that's just optics, though. They they pose it as they never got behind one or the other. They could have made it. We got we were behind they could both. Have gotten behind Cause, one because I feel like uh, lo- at least locally, when I talk to William Garcia, the Democratic Party chair, he's like, we don't endorse a candidate in a primary we support all of them running we want as many people to run so you have as many options and then once they're out of the primary we'll support that candidate if we decide to support that candidate. that is a huge dilemma for parties rick do you try to get involved in the primary elections to tilt the balance in favor of one candidate who's trying to get the nomination for example, right now, we know that the Democrats are going to make sure that Joe Biden has a clear path to the nomination for presidency. We know that Joe Biden is going to announce his reelection bid formally next week. And so the party is going to be fully behind him trying to make sure that he gets the nomination. And that's one big advantage that he has going into this reelection battle. He has no competition within the Democratic Party for the renomination. Right. It's all about that general election. If See, he can win the general election. And I'm not super okay with that. Like I feel yeah. like the the party should be in, like open arms to whoever wants to run and then if somebody's like crazy be like all right actually we're not going to support the guy that's a nazi you know or something like that because those people actually run too anyway we're way over time we'll be back all right welcome back to lacrosse talk pm 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski hanging out with me. Happy Friday, Rick. I forgot to do that, didn't you? Um, and we, we are uh, we're, we we've run down the lineup, but we didn't get to the very important things. And very important. The, you know the the main topic from last week was that five guys was opening, and now I learned you told me because you must. <laughs> I haven't driven by there yet. Hasn't opened because nobody wants to work. I am the chief five guys correspondent for Wisdom. That yeah. is what I am. Yeah. Yes, we were talking last week with great anticipation about the five guys in Onalaska opening. Well, we thought last Monday. Turns out they had some hiring issues. They're going to try again. Try to open. This upcoming Monday. So get the fries in the bag uh, this upcoming Monday. It's it's at the same point where Wisconsin numbers for unemployment are at the lowest ever, right? We set a record. Yeah, Rick. uh, This is definitely related to the Five Guys story. Wisconsin, this is from the Cap Times in Madison. Wisconsin's unemployment rate fell to a record low 2.5% in March. 
besting the 2.7% record set in February, signaling a bright outlook for the state's job seekers. So we have a really strong unemployment situation, really low, record low unemployment, and the workforce participation in Wisconsin is also higher than the national average. So you've got more people engaged in the workforce in Wisconsin compared to nationally. And the Cap Times says that Wisconsin owes its consistently high labor force participation rates to the work of women and teens. The uh, chief economist for Wisconsin said, we have essentially very few people that are not engaged in the labor force. Those who aren't engaged in the labor force may be homemakers, full-time students, independently wealthy, that'd be kind of nice, or struggling to find work because they don't have childcare, transportation, or the requisite skills. So those might be some reasons why people are not in the workforce. Overall, Wisconsin's workforce participation rate is good, and we have very strong unemployment numbers, a record low unemployment rate. All right, we're going to go to the phones. Kent's calling in. He's uh, working out of his new office, his new <laughs> office there on the north side of La Crosse. The Starbucks on the, the north Starbucks side. Apparently. Yeah. Hey, Kent. Exactly. Hey, Dr. Chikowski. How's your little girl doing? She is great, Kent. She is going to be turning one in a week. Oh, no. So is our granddaughter in about a week. The 29th, I think, her birthday is. Get, so out, is she of, walking get out of here, Kent, because that is Savannah's birthday, too. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Well, congratulations, there, Daddy. Yeah, I'm working on a new Starbucks, and they were looking for help, too, so I struck a deal with them. They said if I work part-time for free, I can have a booth over there and run my mayor's office out of there. So and they're working out pretty good. Did they hook you up with the Wi-Fi password then, at least? I got the Wi-Fi, Rick. I got everything going on. But one more thing. I heard Sam White, uh, I guess she threw her audio resume down on Scott Robert Shaw's desk. She's vying for Rick's job on the five o'clock spot. Oh, that's I mean, that's fine with me. Uh she can she can have it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh thanks for the call, Ken. Uh yeah, actually we're I think we're losing Sam White, actually. She's uh she's graduating. Thanks a lot. You could have failed her and then she would Sam have to Sam White around. took my took one of my political science class, a gold star student. A gold star student. How long ago was that? Was it a rookie like her one of her? That earlier? would have been a year ago. Oh, I a think. year ago. Yeah. Okay. So um all right. So and if you want to listen to uh Trigosky and his work at UW Lacrosse last week, we talked kind of a lot about about some of the things you do, not so yeah. much, at, well, a little bit as teacher, but a lot of the, you don't want to work because you're actually working in the summers. You don't actually have <laughs> off in the summers. Nope. Um, but the five guys, so uh, tailing off the five guys story, the other thing that you, you threw this one in there off, caught me off guard. I'm not sure how I feel about this. McDonald's is selling Big Mac sauce. I am a huge fan of the Big Mac sauce at Wisconsin at, at, at McDonald's. Starting April 27th, you can order Big Mac sauce on the McDonald's app. So now I'm a little torn because I'm really excited about Five Guys opening it on Alaska. I'm also really excited about being able to if, buy Big Mac sauce. If you went to McDonald's and got a Big Mac and you got home and the sauce wasn't on it, like what would you do? I'd be... Outraged. But what would you do? I would write an angry email to McDonald's or fire off an angry tweet. Fire off an angry tweet because this happened to me. What? At Chick-fil-A. Oh. And it's worse because McDonald's, I guess if you got a Big Mac, it would be weird to put ketchup on a Big Mac just because of the, just if you're a Big Mac eater, I am. Um, but you could at least do that. So at Chick-fil-A, they didn't give me the Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh. So I got home. It's like a 20-minute 20, 20 drive. And I had this chicken sandwich. Their chicken sandwiches are plain Jane. They throw a couple pickles on there for some weird reason, but that's it. 
Like, so I'm like, oh, plain chicken sandwich, no Chick-fil-A sauce. Ah. So I did fire off an email. No re- no restitution, though. Like, I'm still waiting. It's been a couple of weeks. Unbelievable. Like, at least send me a coupon for an, a free chicken sandwich or yeah. something. I got, I got, I, I just got home and I'm like, ah, because what do you do? Put mayo on it? They it's need weird. to FedEx you a couple bottles of Chick-fil-A sauce. They should do that, too, because, and I did, because I used to have one, but it was out. So I was like, you at always got to have one on hand. I did the thing and it went, <laughs> like it was gone. You know what I mean? But McDonald's doesn't sound like they're going to sell this in like bottles. It sounds like maybe you get a packet. And it, it would be weird to put, Big Mac sauce on something that's not a Big Mac. Like, where would you would you would you cook burgers on the grill and put Big Mac sauce? So on it? I have speculated about dipping it, using it as a dipping sauce for my fries. Oh no! I think that would be pretty good. What about nachos? Whoa. Nachos with Big Mac sauce, Ch- chips you, and Big Mac sauce. That might be a step I too far. I wonder if you could warm it up, like warm warm Big Mac sauce, because like nachos and cheese, like you want the cheese to be warm. So I wonder. Sure. Anyway, so McDonald's is going to sell Big Mac sauce. I'm I'm not sure what I think about that. But I'm not, I don't know, because I don't want anything, I don't want Big Mac sauce on anything but a Big Mac. Yeah, yeah. Well, this opens it up to experimentation. You can try Big Mac sauce on a variety of different foods now. See what you like. All right, let's go back to the story about this GOP lawmaker. I mean, the, the marijuana thing I want to talk about, but it's so easy to talk about the marijuana. Like, but... Okay, so this GOP strategist, she someone records her secretly. In this day and age, I don't like we see this a lot. Like these people get recorded and saying the thing out loud. Well, they're literally saying it out loud, but they definitely don't want the public to hear this. And uh, hello, like what? Confiscate phones, put an EMT in there, and like destroy all the phone. Anyone that's got a phone in the room, the EMT device. Remember that that from like the like Mission Impossible movies or or the. The, the where they steal the crap out of Vegas. Um, sure. I can't remember. Ocean's Eleven. Um, and so anyone that brings the phone into the room, it would be destroyed, be the EMT device. But she gets, she gets, uh, Cleta? Is her name Cleta Mitchell? Yeah, Cleta Mitchell. She gets recorded saying, uh, we can't let these college kids, it's too easy for college kids to vote. Yeah, Cleta Mitchell is a member of the Milwaukee-based Bradley Foundation, a board member, and she was talking to top Republican donors at a recent Republican National Committee donor retreat, and there were some reports about the presentation she gave expressing frustration about college student voting. Rick, we know that college student voting was a big deal in the April election in Wisconsin. There were a lot of question marks going into the April election about college student voting because young people tend to be pretty unpredictable in their voting habits. In fact, they haven't developed voting habits yet, and that's exactly what makes them unpredictable as voters. So we were wondering, would the young people show up to vote in the state Supreme Court election? And my goodness, did they ever show up? Huge voter turnouts at the UW campuses, at some other campuses around the state. Now, it did not make the difference for Janet Protosewitz. Protosewitz had a huge margin of victory over Dan Kelly. And so even without the college student vote, Protosewitz would have still won. But the college student vote definitely added to Protosewitz's margin. And she ended up winning by double digits. The college student vote played a big role in her large margin of victory. So there's two things. If you're a party that loses because of a certain genre of of voters a voter base you you could do two things you shouldn't the, actually you shouldn't this shouldn't be the two choices you can like 
hone your message to appease the voter base because their opinions matter. Mm-hmm. And okay, like, oh, you guys want legalized marijuana? All right, we'll think about it. You guys, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is. Or you can try to make it impossible for them to vote or harder for them to vote. Yeah, Rick. I mean, I think that long term, the Republican Party and the conservative movement need to devise a way to improve their numbers with key demographic groups in the population. Young voters are definitely one of those groups. We talked earlier in the show about how key suburbs in Wisconsin are trending in the Democratic Party's direction as well. And so when people were looking back at the state Supreme Court election, they really pointed to those two factors, young voters and suburban voters as the major problems for Republicans. And so, as you say, Rick, one strategy could be to hone the message of the party to make up some lost ground with those groups, to do better among young voters, to do better above, yeah, like, among suburbanites. What suburban are they saying? Oh, okay. Well, that's – oh, we'll listen. Yeah, or, right. To or be... make it harder to vote. But can we go back to this tweet right here? Yeah, Can we yeah. go back to this tweet? Scott Walker, after the pro say which win, right? Scott Walker tweets out, younger voters are the issue. Yes, maybe. To I, an extent. They, they, they can – you said they didn't matter in the pro say which thing, but – they. The the young voters did not decide the Protosewitz right. election they because were, it was were, so lopsided. First of all, I have an issue with the word issue. Right. But I guess however you want to take it, but the rest of the tweet kind of devolves. Uh, younger voters mattered in the sheriff's race in La Crosse County. Sure. And that was an argument that we had. Hey, college kids shouldn't vote for local elections as if they don't live here, which is ridiculous because they live here all but like two months of the year. And, you know, if you're a freshman, maybe you go home for summer, but you live here for like four or five years. A lot of people live here for four or five years and move on. Uh, but the rest of Scott Walker's tweet after the protestay, which went, it comes from years of, and this is excuse making now, here instead of saying like, oh, we need to hone our message to appease, you know, a, a different voter base. Scott Walker, it comes from years of radical indoctrination on campus, in school, with social media, and throughout culture. We have to counter it. Or conservatives will never win battleground states again. So what does he mean by counter it? You know, and then he's just blaming. It's just a blame game. You're going to blame schools and call it radical indoctrination. Yeah, Rick, I think it really starts with understanding the values and the points of view of younger people. They are not a lost cause for Republicans for the very reason that I mentioned. They have not develop their habits in politics. We talked about how that was one reason people were wondering if they would even show up to vote in the April election. Young voters have not developed the habit of voting. And if they have not developed the habit of voting, they have not developed the habit of voting for one party or the other. So when it comes to what young voters value, The parties have to be aware of that and try to craft a message that appeals to young voters because young voters haven't made up their minds yet to a great extent. And I'll get to uh, a Fox News segment that will definitely appease to young voters. Fox News has it. They're going to they're going to win the young vote. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the talking text line. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski in here. Uh, one person texted in as we talk about voting a little bit, but I do have Fox News has put out 
a way to get young voters as we talk about college kids? You know, how do we do it? Do we get do we appease college kids who are out in mass numbers voting like never before? Or do we just make it harder for them to vote uh, as we as we, college kids are rolling out of bed like in their dorms because college kids don't do anything. Right. Tregoski, they just play video <laughs> games, sleep and uh, go to the go to the calf. <laughs> and eat out of the what we called the trough, where you could get all you could eat ice cream. I don't know. Do they have a cafeteria where you could just get oh, as yeah. much ice cream as you want? Oh right? yeah, yeah, definitely. The freshman fifteen is a very that's real where that thing. comes from. But um, so a texter texted in, uh, of course. Uh, I'm a Republican, and I think voting should be made mandatory for all residents of Wisconsin. This would make our democratic decisions making democratic decision making precise. So mandatory voting, I think. I'll, does Australia? I think Australia, Australia pays you to vote. Like you get twenty bucks or something. Yeah, Rick. This is a really interesting debate. I like to have this debate in my government classes because we get to what voting means. Should voting be a choice? Do we benefit from higher voter turnout? To what extent do we benefit from higher voter turnout? What happens when we have low voter turnout? So I actually really, I really like this text because it's a big debate, a big topic that I love to bring up in my classes about what a democracy means, a representative democracy means when we have high voter turnout or low voter turnout. And we could do this in a number of ways. Okay, but first, would Republicans want everyone to vote? Because I feel like that might that might hurt them in because of their just messaging. Rick, I think it would force the parties to adapt their strategies because we know that non-voters and irregular voters tend to have different views than the voters who show up every time. And so if everyone voted all the time, you would have people with different sets of views entering the electorate. I'm not sure exactly how it would affect the two parties, but what I can tell you is the parties would have to adapt to the new people in the electorate what's an irregular voter someone that's just gassy (laughs) (laughs) or are they weird (laughs) i can't even stand in line i gotta run to the bathroom again um anyway uh but there's ways to do this right mandatory voting in uh, in north korea is if you don't vote for the one one person on the ballot it's not even a person it's a party so is it kim Mm jong-un he's not even on the ballot it's whatever the party stands for and that's the only box you check and uh, if you don't check that, they literally throw you in the ocean. I don't do. I don't know if they do that for everybody, but uh, so I don't know about mandatory, quote unquote, mandatory voting. Because what if you didn't vote then? So then, are you penalizing Wisconsin? Certainly likes to pass a lot of legislation lately, lately uh, upping penalty uh, penalties for crap instead of like trying to figure out how and why these penalty these things like reckless driving are happening, and then maybe like, okay, what can we do to prevent this? Instead of penalizing people more because I'm like the dude that steals the car isn't going, boy, I don't know. They just upped the penalty for reckless driving. I better not steal this car. Um, So penalizing people for not voting, incentivizing in Australia, like I said, I think they give you money to vote. That would be interesting. In Seattle, they give you like a 100 bucks to decide where not to vote, but to um, donate to a political party or a political like a, a person that's running so you could donate it to the mayor you could donate it to your u.s house member which which incentivizes you to be involved and then therefore like oh i gave the mayor you know 12 of my 100 bucks and this guy 10 now i want to go vote because i put some money into this it's thing. all about how do we build a vibrant democracy how do we make sure that people are showing up in ways that they are informed and involved like you said rick 
changing the campaign finance system, perhaps. So many methods that we could use that are not punitive in nature, but kind of reward people and encourage people for their involvement. Yeah, uh, I like paying people to vote. I think that would I, the the secret one is the way they do it. Either in, it's either in Seattle or Washington, where you get a hundred bucks and then you can decide who you want to you, you want to give to uh, to a political whoever a politi- a candidate. Um, but also that's kind of weird too because then we're I mean if the if the Democratic Party of Wisconsin and the Republican Party of Wisconsin each started with a certain amount of money and then they just gave it to their voting base. That'd be a way. I don't know. We're, uh, devol- de- I haven't thought about this too much, but Fox <laughs> News posted uh, a, a segment on on their show. I think either yesterday or the day before. Um, it's it looks like a, a way to get young people voting. Um, increased family and medical leave, additional paid vacation time, universal health care, guaranteed green housing, and food security. These are like some factors. What are these that Fox News posted? It's a screenshot from the show with Sean Hannity. Oh, it's what's really in the Green New Deal. So the Fox News segment is about like going after the Green New Deal and the way that they're trying to tamp it down and make it less popular. And maybe you hate Democrats for trying to pass the Green New Deal, which contains and they say increased family and medical leave. Sounds great to me. Yeah, Rick, really, <laughs> like, what is this stuff? really gets to what we've been talking about, about how the parties need to adapt in order to attract new voters. And that might mean taking new stances on things like family leave. That might mean taking new stances on things like housing and food. And so I think that's where the Republicans are right now. And frankly, it's where the Democrats have been at, too, when it comes to the rural voters. I mean, Democrats are facing many of these same dilemmas. Dilemmas when it comes to rural voters. How can they win back rural voters? Meanwhile, Republicans are struggling with how to win back suburbanites and what methods, if any, should they take to try to stop the bleeding, so to speak, with these young voters, these young voters who turned out in large numbers in the April election, not to decide the election for Janet Protasewicz in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court race, but to definitely add to her margin and make it a real landslide, certainly a landslide by Wisconsin standards. And there's another factor there is, did, did, is it simply just Roe versus Wade? Is that yeah. simply why these kids turned out, right? And I call them kids, but they're just young people. It, it might be as simple as that, Rick. And that would actually make a lot of sense because that's what this campaign really was all about. That was the core issue in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court race, abortion. There were some other issues as well. Dan Kelly tried to bring in crime and public I, safety, I, but at its core, the issue was abortion. I have a theory. As, as Derek Van Orden proposes that the state, not him as a as a Republican U.S. House member here in the 3rd District, here in La Crosse here, he proposes that Wisconsin should have a 15-week abortion allowances, I think, you know, whatever. You can get an abortion up to 15 weeks, and whatever the reasoning there is, it wasn't sound reasoning, but... Um, but he but he didn't say that as a U.S. House member. He said that he, he's p- passing the buck onto states. All right. Again. But what if the U.S. House controlled by Republicans just did it, just went 15 week and passed it? And, and because it, we're, we're a year plus away from an election, we're going to forget. And and then I don't know, they've got to tamp. They want to tamp down the voter turnout instead of making it harder to vote. Maybe they just pass this and then take the take the hit now and just. 
make it a law, 15-week abortion. It was a really interesting statement that Derek Van Orden made, Rick, because I think Derek Van Orden understands what all of us understand. He understood that abortion was the key issue in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court race, and he understands that the 1849 abortion ban is deeply unpopular with the voters. Now, what you said is very relevant. What would happen on the national level? Let's say we have a Republican president, a Republican Senate, and a Republican House. What actions on abortion would or would not be taken under those circumstances? There would be pressure on the Republicans to take more restrictive national measures on abortion. Right now, we know that the states are kind of handling things, and it's a state-by-state debate. Wisconsin was the center of that debate. But what would happen at the national level if Republicans had the trifecta with control no, of Congress and the presidency? No, what I'm saying is Republicans control the House. They pass a 15-week. They pass Van Orden's thing, but they pass they it could. in the House, right? They could. Because this is such a loser for them, the, the, the Supreme Court overturning Roe. And it's obviously a loser for them. They, they don't have this thing to fight for now. Now Democrats have used this to fight and get voter turnout. And, and, you know, I feel like that's what's happened. So if Republicans just pass this thing, what happens in the Senate that's that's Democratic controlled? Do they pass it? Does Biden sign no. it? Because because they'd be like, we're not going to sign this because this is the thing. It becomes this political game, this huge thing that affects women's rights. But it would be so interesting if the, the Republican led, led House just said, screw it. People are going to forget in a year and a half, and it's it's a tiny amount of our voter base that, that hates abortions. We're just going to pass it and just eat it and make the Democrats deal with Funny it. Funny you mentioned that, Rick, because right now, up until this point, the House of Representatives, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, has been taking votes on Republican priorities that they know are not going to pass in the Democratic-controlled Senate. So essentially, they have been passing symbolic measures. That's one thing to deal with when you are a member of Congress, voting on things that you know will not become law. It is another matter when you're voting on things that might actually become law. So the decision-making process becomes a lot more different. I like where you're going with this. How would Republicans vote on an abortion bill that they knew would never become law? How would they vote on a bill that could actually become law? Right, and then they just and that takes abortion off the table. When you want to talk about making it harder to vote, and that's what Republicans want to do, or just taking something that's 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 garnered people to go to the polls. Uh, I think, I don't know, I should just become a Republican strategist. (laughs) All right, just going to wrap up here with our weird stories of the week, although we do have a Friday news dump that the Supreme Court has ruled on the abortion pill or just temporary. Yeah, they are going to protect access to a widely used abortion drug, freezing lower court rulings that place restriction on its usage, the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the drug Mifepristone and subsequent actions that made it more easily accessible will remain in place the, potentially for months to come. The drug that's been here for 23 years that uh, is the FBDA approved and is like the the health effects of it are less than if you use Viagra. It would make more sense to ban Viagra because of the health effects than this uh, abortion pill. Um, all right, so we got three stories here. Es- uh, police, uh, an estimated two million dimes <laughs> were stolen from a truck in Pe- Philadelphia. Two million dimes. How do you haul away two million dimes in the truck? Apparently, also like what, what like is it, I, I don't know. Do you did they steal the whole truck? Uh, a thirteen-year-old gets stuck in a claw machine. So the claw machine that you can never get the. I I just assume this thirteen-year-old was very frustrated by putting. 
10 to 15 million dimes in the claw machine. Exactly. And the thing never picking up. So maybe the, the Philadelphia kid stole the dimes, went to the to the North Carolina kid to help get him out of the claw machine. Was in there for 17 minutes inside the machine. I mean, you're just you're just throwing the things out of the right. You're just throwing oh, the toys yeah. out of the. Yeah. You got your friend. You're like, here, grab these. Yeah. Um, I I may have been a a sophomore in high school working at a car wash, and used a hanger to pull out all the like candy out of the <laughs> candy like the the vending machine. That may have may have been a thing that I did quite a bit. To uh, I was kind of a chunky kid that summer. Uh, but the last one, <laughs> pitcher Anthony Bass claims a flight attendant asked his pregnant wife to clean up after their child. Fueling a heated debate on Twitter. So you're on a flight. Your kid drops popcorn. First of all, where are you getting popcorn on a flight? And then the flight attendant asked the kid, no, asked the pregnant wife to clean it up. The first mistake here is having popcorn on a flight. Uh, Second mistake is having popcorn on a flight with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah, how old was this kid? Do we know? Five and two. Okay, first, giving a five-year-old popcorn on a flight, it's going to get spilled. Bad idea. I mean, as as a 45-year-old at the movie theater, I can hardly keep the popcorn in my, uh, you know, not. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah, so, so flight attendant probably in the wrong, asking the pregnant wife to pick it up, but... Yeah, I don't know. Is that a Rick. flight attendant's job? I don't know. This is a really good question. I feel like there was a well-deserved social media dust-up over this because, on the one hand, I understand the idea of having you know the people pick up after you, but I don't know. I I don't know where I stand. On I this. mean, this gets back to me in the theater when I spill some popcorn on the yeah. floor, and then I go. Mm. Yeah. But it's all the floor is really green. Yeah, it is. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend.